Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Great show lined up for you today. Prayerfully, your day is going well so far anyway. Going to have a wonderful jam-packed hour. Um, There was a a tabernacle in Mexico that got ransacked. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Eucharist spread all over the floor. Reminded me of a story I want to share with you in the What's Concerning Us section. Something similar happened near me and it was pretty profound. and I want to talk about that. So that'll be coming up in the What's Concerning Us section. Uh, but we also have Father Jeffrey Kirby on the program. He wrote a book about real religion, how to avoid false faith and worship God in spirit and in truth. And we're going to have a conversation today about the trappings of sentimentality in religion and faith. Uh, is, is religion self-help? Is it about how we feel? We're going to have that conversation with Father Jeffrey Kirby today popular priest. His book is published by Catholic Answers, by the way. So that's coming up in this hour as well. Of course, breaking news and stories. We're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and as I mentioned, a What's Concerning Us section. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. Happy Wednesday. Praise be to God. We have survived it so far. Yep, and it's hump day, which means it's looking forward to the weekend now. Alrighty, we're planning the weekend out. Uh, Hopefully the weather will be nice. Uh, I hope so. Yesterday was uh, kind of gloomy out but i'm hoping this weekend will be nice i'd like yeah. to go outside super muggy uh i don't know why but uh, it's it's only april as cl- classic houston classic <laughs> houston speaking of classic adrian fonseca is here on the ones and twos good morning to you adrian speaking of classic houston i the uh the classic houstonian been here born and raised from sure. day number one if you this, say so this weekend i'll be uh going out to uh, so i hope there's good weather we're going out to A&M to help uh, the, the the students at A&M protest the uh, drag queen uh, draggy land show at A&M Lynch. on Sunday night. Speaking of insanity, did you see the NCAA championship to boycott states that protect women and girls in sports? Nonsense, man. Oh, Absolute nonsense. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about and, that. Yeah, what's yeah, concerning yeah. us, too. We'll, we'll save that. <laughs> There's so much nonsense. But here's a bright spot real quick before we jump in. Uh, Mexican Catholics are urged to prioritize life, family, and religious freedom in their upcoming elections in Mexico. That's a breath of fresh air, actually. Praise be to God. All right, we're going to jump into it. We're going to pray for your intentions, whatever's on your heart, whatever your needs are, of course. We're going to bring those together. I'm praying for our team here, our show, our, the needs of our program, uh, as well as of our radio apostolates on the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network. Good morning to all of you. And those hanging out with us on our live video streams on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, praying for you as well. You can comment if you'd like. We surely would love to read them. Uh, but your, your guardian angels know what's on your mind and your heart. And let's ask Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to intercede for all of us today by whispering these intentions into the ear of her divine Son, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, 
Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. A Catholic bishop who resigned last year as an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati amid controversy for failure to report alleged sex abuse of a boy to his archbishop and to the Archdiocese's personnel board has been named pastor of a two-church pastoral region. Auxiliary Bishop Emeritus Joseph Binzer was named pastor of the Corpus Christi and St. John Neumann pastoral region, which includes two Catholic churches in Hamilton County. An Archdiocese spokesperson said Bishop Binzer would continue his roles as the program coordinator for senior clergy services, director of health and hospital ministries, and chaplain for the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. In May of 2020, the Holy See Press Office announced that Pope Francis had accepted this bishop's resignation as an auxiliary bishop of the Cincinnati Archdiocese. At the time, Bishop Binzer apologized for his response to reports of misconduct by Father Jeff Drew. Only those who have been vaccinated against COVID-19 are being allowed to board cruise ships sent to rescue people from the violent eruptions of a volcano on the Caribbean island of St. Vincent, the island's president announced on Friday. The volcano La Soufrière erupted on Friday, forcing thousands to flee their homes. More explosions occurred over the weekend and on Monday. Carnival Cruise Line said on Friday that it had dispatched two cruise ships to the island to take evacuees off of the island and by Monday, four cruise ships were empty in the waters off of the island. Neighboring countries, including St. Lucia, Antigua, Guyana, and Barbados, had invited St. Vincent residents to take refuge. However, Prime Minister Ralph Gonzalez said that only people who received the experimental COVID vaccines would be allowed to board the ships. The Prime Minister also said that evacuees in government-operated shelters would also have to be vaccinated against the coronavirus. An Italian magistrate has issued an arrest warrant for Gianluigi Torzi, the, bus- the businessman at the center of the Vatican's London property scandal. The warrant was announced on Monday morning. The Italian court order charges adds allegations that Torzi falsified invoices worth millions of euros for non-existent transactions. The Italian order also alleges that the Secretariat of State failed to follow Vatican financial regulations in making its, its investments. The warrant for Torzi's arrest, along with legal sanctions against his business associates, follows a stinging ruling from a UK judge released last month, which exoriated Vatican prosecutors for failing to present evidence in support of an injunction to freeze Torzi's assets. If Vatican authorities are treating the Secretariat of State's investment strategy as beyond its legal remit, that could focus the investigation on senior officials at the department, including Cardinal Pietro Perolin, and signal a dramatic shift in the scope of any potential prosecution. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Blessed Lucien Batovasoa, pray for us. Blessed Lucien was born in 1908 in Madagascar. He was the eldest of nine children. Lucien was baptized at age 10, made his first communion at 14, and from 1922 to 1927, he studied at the uh, Jesuit St. Joseph College and became a schoolteacher dedicated to both religious and secular education of children. At the end of each class, though, he would read about the lives of the saints to his students and to those that wanted to stay and listen. 
Blessed Lucian married Susanna in October of 1930, and they had five children. Lucian joined the Crusaders of the Heart of Jesus in August of 35, and he began to learn to speak Chinese, German, and French. And he had a fine singing voice and became the director of the choir at the parish. Blessed Lucian was a pious man, so drawn to religious life that he searched for material on saints who were married in order to learn to combine the two ways of life. In fact, his wife was a bit nervous that, she, that he might leave her for the monastery at one point. But in 1940, Blessed Lucian joined the secular Franciscans and was enthusiastic about spreading devotion to St. Francis of Assisi and the spiritual benefits of being a Franciscan. He often fasted, he wore a khaki shirt and a tan uh, pair of trouser, trousers instead of the traditional black ones of a teacher. He wore the colors of the tertiaries. In spring of 1947, a persecution of Christians broke out in Madagascar, and the priests and nuns were the first to be imprisoned, and then Christians were killed at random in groups for their faith. On the afternoon of 14 April 1947, Blessed Lucian learned that the anti-Christian forces would be coming for him. He refused to run and instead spent the rest of the day with his wife and children. He was arrested that night. He was judged and condemned by the local chief and executed. His guards and executioners, well, they were men that he once taught when they were schoolboys. He was beheaded by sword between 10 p.m. and midnight on the 14th of April in 1947, wearing his uniform of the tertiaries. He was cast into the river. He would be beatified by Pope Francis on the 10th of April, 2018. Blessed Lucian Botovasoa, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the verdict, that the light came into the world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. But whoever lives the truth comes to the light so that his works may be clearly seen and as done in God, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Another powerful passage. Of course, this is like the famous one, right? This is the one that everybody remembers. This is the one Bible verse almost everyone has memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. It is a powerful passage, a powerful reality. Um, but I like the fact that, it's, that this passage isn't only that one verse. It's, it's also the, the reality, the very uh, stinging reality of the implications of not believing in the only begotten Son of God. But uh, St. Chrysostom would say this, For God gave not a servant or an angel or an archangel, but his Son. Again, he had, had he had many sons 
and given one, this would have been a very great gift. But he gave his only begotten son. The death of Christ becomes for, uh, for you and me, it becomes for us God's supreme sign of his love for us. And he gives us this gift here and now on earth, right? And there's two, two natures to it. There's the divine quality that is promised with this gift. And then there's the length of it, eternity. And we're given this wonderful gift now on earth with a promise that we'll have it forever in heaven. But here's the reality. We're all going to be resurrected. And some of us will go to heaven and some of us won't. Some of us will end up in hell, but not because God is a, some sort of mean curmudgeon, but because we chose to live in darkness rather than light. Because we, we ran from, dark, from the light because we didn't want our evil ways to be exposed. We rejected God's only begotten son. That's the reality of this passage. And basically, we're living in rebellion at that point. St. Augustine would say, uh, What didst thou expect him to say of him who believed not except that he is condemned? St. Gregory the Great would say this, For the day of judgment does not try those who for unbelief are already banished from the sight of a discerning judge are under sentence of damnation. But those who retaining the profession of faith have no works to show suitable to that profession. For those who have not kept even the sacraments of faith do not even hear the curse of the judge at the last trial. They have already in the darkness of their unbelief received their sentence and are not thought worthy of being convicted by the rebuke of him whom they had despised. <laughs> wow. That is a hammer blow to those of us who have uh, indifferentism, to those of us who uh, are lukewarm, to those of us who can't get even out of our own way to pray a little, let alone a lot, to bring ourselves to repentance, to confession, to make penance for our sins, let alone those of others in our home. St. Gregory the Great convicts us heavily today. Let us not lose the opportunity to take a maximum benefit from this conviction. Let us confess our sins. Let us do penance. And let us have zeal in our heart, fire in our soul for God, as Blessed Lucian had today. Don't go anywhere. After this very short break, we'll be right back with the What's Concerning Us section. Moral relativists think moral absolutes don't exist because cultures differ in their moral beliefs. But is this a rational inference? The answer is no, and here's the reason. You see, it confuses moral epistemology, the accurate knowledge of moral truths, with moral ontology, the existence of moral truths. Differing moral opinions have to do with knowledge of moral truths, or lack thereof, not their existence. Furthermore, if we say absolute moral truths don't exist because cultures disagree on them, well then we're going to have to deny the existence of absolute cosmological truths, because scientists disagree about them. But we don't want to do that because we might end up denying the objective shape of our planet and its relation to the sun. Differing moral beliefs, therefore, doesn't negate moral absolutes. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is so good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Coming up in about 20 minutes from now, Father Jeffrey Kirby is going to be our guest. He's a priest from North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. But he has a book out published with Catholic Answers. And it's called Real Religion, How to Avoid False Faith and Worship God in Faith and Truth. We're going to have our spirit and truth, rather. We're going to have a conversation, um, not necessarily just about his book, but in general about the trappings of uh, sentimentality and faith and worship, about uh, religion being used as self-help, about, uh, you know, I'm Christian, but I'm not religious, that kind of thing. So Father Jeffrey Kirby will be our guest later in this hour. Hopefully he'll join us for that. In the What's Concerning Us section, there's a few stories that I want to bring up, and I'm, I'm sure the team does too. Uh, let me mention this one really quickly here. This was Breitbart reporting. The headline said, Mexican Catholics urge to prioritize life, family, religious freedom in elections. I found this intriguing because the article is basically pointing out the voter guide that the bishops put out in Mexico for their upcoming elections, which are going to take place on June 6th. And they're going to have to, they have to like elect 500 uh, people in the lower house of the legislature. That's kind of a lot, right, to have to elect. So they're trying to give some guidance. Fair enough. But what I found fascinating was they prioritized above all other considerations, life, family, religious freedom first. And then and only then could they move on to other aspects, which are important, but they aren't equal. <laughs> I was like, Praise be to God. Can we have this thing translated into English in America? Because this would be amazing. We would love to see something like this, where it's obvious, it's obvious how we have to prioritize. It's called triage. Every rifleman in the Marine Corps learns this as part of basic training. You learn how to address a a bullet wound to the chest. You have to triage the the patient very quickly, which are the most life-threatening issues first. Then you move on to some of the other serious issues. You know, um, it's just obvious. It's common sense. But in a world gone crazy where we equalize all issues, it becomes bizarre. Well, I'm very glad to see that this particular voting guide in Mexico is prioritizing that. So praise be to God. Then there was this other story about Mexico and the National Catholic Register. It says, Tabernacle Eucharist uh, desecrated in Mexican chapel. In an April 9th statement, the diocese in um, Querétaro, I don't know how to say that properly. Emily, you can feel Quere- free. Querétaro. That. See, uh, it was, when she says <laughs> it, it sounds perfect That's every time. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, where are you now? Well, you're, 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 your Spanish is worse than mine. Uh, Querétaro. How do you maybe. say it one more time? Querétaro. Querétaro. The Diocese of Quietero, don't be laughing at me, expressed its sadness and concern that Holy Family Chapel in St. Sebastian Parish was violated on the night of April 8th. 
It says, um, Holy Family Chapel in St. Sebastian Paris was robbed last week, its tabernacle desecrated, and the Eucharist thrown to the ground. In an April 9th statement, the diocese expressed its sadness and concern that the church was violated. They destroyed some things and sacred objects. They threw the Eucharistic species on the floor and stole some of the pyxes. The statement signed by the Chancellor asked Christian community to join together to offer God a solemn Eucharistic vigil as an act of reparation for the sacrilege against the most holy body and blood of our Lord. You know, this reminded me, this is a very sad situation. We should also offer acts of reparation for this because there are a bunch of stories like this all over planet Earth that you probably don't even know about. But many years ago, I was working for a, a Catholic evangelization apostolate, and I was going and visiting every single church in, in a particular diocese. And I went to a parish on the poor side of town, and it was kind of, um, it was a bit surreal. Like, it, there was, you know, high fences, and, you know, so you knew you were, something wasn't quite right. And I, I was trying to locate the office, and it was hard to find. And when I finally found it, there was no lights. There was no, there was no windows letting in natural light. And it was just this, like, really sort of dark neon light in the room, and it just felt, it felt heavy. If you've ever watched Joe versus the Volcano, you kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about with that neon light just sort of sucking the life out of you. It felt like that. I was reminded of that movie when I walked in the room. And this secretary was sitting there. And I, I introduced myself and explained who I am and what I was there to do. And I asked if I could see Father. And she called back to the office and Father was kind enough to come see me. But he came out, he came out crying. And I'm like, what's wrong, Father? And he was lamenting how the parish had been broken into the night before. And when he walked into the sanctuary, he discovered the tabernacle wide open. Our Lord and Savior in the Eucharist spread all over the floor. And his chalice that he had been ordained with was stolen. And it, it literally broke his heart. And I just remember looking into his eyes and feeling his pain for a moment. And I wondered how many in the parish um, would be, you know, obviously, I'm sure it was a painful experience for most people in the parish, but how often have we just taken for granted our Lord and his Eucharistic presence in our lives? And I'd sat there and I remember thinking this when I was looking at this priest and wanting desperately to do something to relieve him of his, of his uh, pain, of his you know, sadness. Our Lord desecrated on the floor. I mean, the feeling of violation. Have you ever been robbed? Have you, either one of you ever been robbed before? Probably. No. Nope. I don't remember. I don't think I have, other than like stealing my credit card information. Yeah, yeah. same. That that's, feels uh, violating, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, not as bad as uh, whenever someone broke into your car, though. That that seems worse. That, that well, the, yeah. I when we were when I was a kid, I uh, my mom asked me to take the dogs out, and I did, wasn't paying attention because the television was on, so I I was running towards the back door, calling the dog, trying to get it to come follow me. And I, I, by accident, ran straight through the plate glass and shattered it. My grandmother, by the grace of God, was sitting there in her wheelchair and grabbed my arm as I was passing through the doorframe and yanked me back. Praise be to God. So I didn't land on the glass. 
However, we, we couldn't afford to replace it, so we put up cardboard. And a week later, someone robbed the house, <laughs> stole a bunch of stuff. And I remember coming home from school, my mother was crying. And I asked her, what happened? She says, robbers came into the back door and stole everything. My one question to her was, did they steal the food? No, <laughs> they didn't steal the food. It feels very violating. But could you imagine our Lord and Savior seeing the desecration of Christ in his Eucharistic presence? I just wanted to bring it up because this story reminded me of that experience that I had and seeing the priest that morning and how, how uh, emotionally difficult it was to experience that. And I wondered how often we might take uh, for granted. Yesterday, I, I spent time before uh, the tabernacle just sitting there. And it's, it can be hard because we don't necessarily feel things all the time. I think that's going to tie into our conversation later with Father Kirby. Well, What's concerning you guys? Well, real quick, on, in regards to this uh, story, I think, uh, I know we only have a couple minutes left, but I highly recommend going and listening to Fulton Sheen's talk about this exact thing. Uh, this is what caused Fulton Sheen to do a daily holy hour. He heard a story of a young uh, Chinese girl who was martyred because the communists in China broke into the church, broke up in the tabernacle, and cast all of the hosts in the ciborium onto the floor and locked the priest away in his sacristy where he could see through the window. And he said he knew there were exactly 31 hosts. And uh, the young girl would went out there every single day and spent a holy hour in front of the Eucharist and then would go on her hands and knees and lick up one host every day uh, with her tongue on the floor. And at the time, you could only receive communion one time a day. And so she only received once a day. And then on the last day, when she, after she did her holy hour and received communion, she actually accidentally bumped into something and awoke one of the guards. And they chased her down, a little girl, and beat her to death with the butt of, her, butt of his gun. And uh, after hearing that story, Full Machine said that uh, from that moment on, he did a holy hour every day mm -hmm. uh, since then. And that just reminded me of that story. Um, but the story that I wanted to focus on for what's concerning us is, I, mean, I know I mentioned it already, but the, the drag queen show at A&M is absolutely disturbing to me. I'm going out there to help uh, protest, and I'm, uh, hopefully a lot of people will join us. Uh, a lot of A&M uh, veterans, A&M graduates, alumni, alumnus, or however you say it, alumni. And the, um, and the thing that, that really concerns me about it is the drag queens call themselves the tip of the spear. They say, they talk about how they were, uh, how they are the cause of change. And that, uh, and you, know, you look at the court case that they brought in Louisiana with the drag queens, they said, this is the grooming of the next generation. Yeah. And they have them quoted saying that. This is a huge deal. It seems like some kind of fringe thing that's kind of outrageous, but you know, it's who, uh, you gotta bring yourself over there so it's not hurting anybody. But this is a degradation of society mm. and, it, and it's the, it's leaking towards these things like, I saw on the news yesterday new york city is having their uh is being sued by a parent in order to marry their child it's insane their adult child and so what's the next step after that the next step right. is pedophilia and so no this is this is horrible and this is oh, where it starts there's been a long there's been, uh, for a long time there's been an effort to uh normalize pedophilia right uh, that that what's a that organization is it man boy love or something yes, like that exactly uh that's been around for a long time you know the, I, I remember uh hearing Teresa tamio five years ago say you know the the lgbtq issues are a gateway to far worse and uh and we're going to get what we deserve in the in the long run if we don't stand up now and the problem is the problem is 
that the uh, their the argument that the people in New York City right now are making. See, this is never this is never passed. Why? Because the idea of marriage was solidified. We had a idea of marriage, and uh, pedophilia does not fit in those in those bounds. The problem with this today is that the de- redefinition of marriage, as stated by the government, as stated by the Supreme Court, there is no difference between uh, a a parent and a child than a homosexual couple. Why? Because if it's just love, then anybody can do it. And if we're allowing kids to change their sex, to change their, to become transgender and to take hormone therapy, if they can consent to that, then why can they not consent to a quote unquote loving relationship? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think it does tie into our conversation that we're going to be having with Father Jeffrey Kirby uh, about the, the trap of sentimentality, about how I feel, right? It's only good so long as I feel good about it. And truth surpasses our feelings, our emotions, and, and, and whatnot. The trap of sentimentality about religion just being like sort of a, a self-medicating, self-help type of thing. We live in a day and an age where, um, where everything is relative anymore to our feelings and our emotions. And intellect no longer seems to play much of a role. You know, common sense, natural law, those types of things. So that conversation is going to be coming up in just a few moments. But uh there's a lot going on in the world, you know, and even though it's Easter tide, right? It's even though it's we're in the Easter season now and we're giving God praise for for his resurrection and for the joy that we now experience. I think we can't lose sight of the fact that uh, we're still called to pray, to fast and do penance, and we have an opportunity to do so every single day because souls are at stake and so many are going astray. So we have a wonderful chance, a wonderful great, wonderful opportunity to pray fast and do penance for all of those strangers we will never know on this side of the heavenly veil but after this very short break father jeffrey kirby will be with us as well as breaking news and stories we'll be right back don't go anywhere this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute how many times have you heard someone say that they don't like the catholic church because it's so dogmatic Well, G.K. Chesterton says, You cannot live without dogmas. You cannot act for 24 hours without making a decision based on some deeply held belief that you cannot prove. Man can be defined as an animal that makes dogmas. Trees have no dogmas. Turnips are singularly broad-minded. In truth, there are only two kinds of people. Those who accept dogmas and know it, and those who accept dogmas and don't know it. So when someone objects to the Catholic Church for being too dogmatic, it only means that they are dogmatic against it, even though they have no idea what their own dogmas are. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, April 14th, and these are your headlines for today. Pope Francis on Tuesday accepted the resignation of Bishop Michael Hepner of Crookston, Minnesota. 
who was the subject of two church investigations after he was accused of mishandling cases of priests accused of sexual misconduct. The 71-year-old Hepner was the first U.S. bishop to be investigated under Vos Estis Lux Mundi, Pope Francis's 2019 norms on investigating bishops accused of mishandling or obstructing allegations of clerical sexual abuse. Hepner is reported to have pressured an alleged victim to drop his allegation of abuse against a priest, failed to, to follow mandatory reporting laws, and neglected to follow protocols designed to monitor priests accused of misconduct. Pope Francis appointed Bishop Richard Edmund Pates, Bishop Emeritus of Des Moines, Iowa, to lead the Crookston Diocese as Apostolic Administrator, set of Vicante, until a new bishop is named. Federal agencies announced yesterday that they will stop using the single-shot Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine at mass vaccination sites while they investigate the vaccine's possible link to potentially dangerous blood clots. States and other providers also are expected to pause vaccinations. In a joint statement from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the agency said they are investigating six cases of blood clots in the U.S., all six occurred in women between the ages of 18 and 48, and symptoms occurred 6 to 13 days after vaccination. The agencies recommended that people who have received the J&J &J vaccine and develop severe headache, abdominal pain, leg pain, or shortness of breath within three weeks after vaccination should contact their health care provider. And Cardinal Mark Willett announced Monday that the Vatican will host a theological symposium on the priesthood that will touch on questions raised in recent synods, including priestly celibacy, dwindling vocations, and the role of women in the church. When asked at the Vatican press conference whether the symposium will return to the debates from the 2019 Synod of Bishops on the Pan-Amazon region on the ordination of mature married men, sometimes called viri probati, Willette responded that priestly celibacy will not be the main focus of the summit, but said that the topic will be addressed. The International Theological Symposium organized by the Congregation for Bishops will take place from February 17th to the 19th of 2022 at the Vatican. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. Uh, are you on our email list, dear listener? We'd love to have you on the email list. It would be a wonderful opportunity for me to harass you at least once a week in your inbox. Praise be to God for the penance involved in that. Uh, but also, we're going to give you a great talk by uh, uh, Father of Mercy, uh, Father Bill Casey. You're going to get that right away. And we send out special content every week right into our uh, email list, and uh, we'd love for you to be on that. You can join us on the email list on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt, or pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's just text GRN to 42828. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is uh, Father Jeffrey Kirby. He's pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina, and a senior contributor to Crux News. Good morning to you, Father. Good morning. Good to be with you. Praise be to God. It's good to see you this morning. Thanks for being on. You have a book out uh, by Catholic Answers Press called Real Religion, How to Avoid False Faith and Worship God in Spirit and Truth. And, you know, we've been talking a lot so far this hour about the trappings of sentimentality 
and how it can lead us astray. And I think this book really dives into that in, in a very core way. I'll, I'll, let me tell you a real quick story, Father. When I moved to the Houston, Texas area in 2006, um, I, I quickly discovered the mega, pa- mega churches, the mega Protestant communities that are here. I mean mega. They're massive. And I remember seeing a television commercial. It was like going into Easter weekend or something, and this Protestant church up near where I lived had an entire uh, uh, pirate ship on a stage, and they had choreographed singers and dancers and people swinging from the rafters. I think Pirate of the Caribbean was in the movie theater at the time, so they were trying to play off that. And I, the thought struck me, oh my heavens, these poor pastors must be like in nervous breakdowns having to come up with a bigger and better light show every single week. Like that, that, uh, that having to be on the mountaintop experience all the time, every time, has to be exhausting. But I think it also speaks to the greater culture and our uh, falling into the trap of how do I feel? This better make me feel good. What say you, Father Jeffrey Kirby? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we can just imagine uh, the stress and anxiety that comes with anyone who thinks they have to carry the weight of the world. They have to constantly be inventing reality. They have to constantly be making sure that people are subjectively satisfied. As you mentioned, this is a kind of a tyranny of, of sentiment. Uh, it's, it's interesting because uh, the title of the book, uh, Real Religion, uh, already has kind of gotten a little bit of pushback because, of course, how dare anyone claim that anything is real, right? Uh, so let alone a religion. And so already we see this kind of pushback with sentiment. No, no, my sentiment determines reality. And if you're going to be significant or have any contribution in my life, well, you better be subjectively satisfying to me. Again, we see, see this as a, a real tyranny, a, a type of slavery, really, uh, to, to sentiment. Um, Father Jeffrey Kirby is our guest. His book, Real Religion, How to Avoid False Faith and Worship God in Spirit and in Truth, published by Catholic Answers. We, we will link to it. What motivated you to, to write this book, Father? Yes, almost 14 years of priestly ministry, of constantly having experiences where people want to impose sentiment on true worship or turn the Catholic Mass into that mega church experience. Uh, I, I tell a story in, in, at the very beginning of the book of a very well-intentioned young couple who approached me. That we sat down almost an hour. They, they talked about all the things that we can do to make the Mass better. Now, whenever I hear an expression like that, I just cringe. <laughs> the, mass, the Mass is the representation of the sacrifice of the Son of God to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no making that better, right? But they sat very well-intentioned for over an hour. At the end of the hour, I, I pointed out to them, uh, I, I thought that it would make a difference, that throughout the entire hour of conversation, they did not mention the name of God once. Not once. Wow. Right, and, and and I thought that would kind of be the wake-up call, you know, that they would say, oh, gosh, we should maybe rethink our, our, our ideas. Uh, that didn't happen. Right? Uh, they thought that I just didn't get it, and, and the conversation quickly dissolved. But that's the experience, as you described, this pirate ship and so on. Like The idea that we have to make this subjectively satisfying, we have to make it worth our time. If I don't get anything out of it, then what's the point? Well, the point is the adoration, the praise of God. <laughs> this is the purpose of worship. 
Right. And Father, I have heard so many people who decided to leave the church because they didn't like the homilies, they didn't like the music, they didn't like the the pastor or the community. And you will hear a lot of times people saying, I just wasn't getting anything out of it. And it seems like your book is the answer to this question. So how would you respond to that question if someone said, I'm not getting anything out of Mass? Yes, yes. And, and, and you know, again, it's experiences like that for almost 14 years where I finally just said, I need to sit down and come up with a comprehensive, digestible, easy-to-read, full answer from the Scriptures, from our tradition. Because answers like that, questions like that, really indicate a complete, almost complete loss of the sense of worship. I, if they just think about what they're saying, like, I don't get anything out of worship, therefore why would I go? I mean, talk about the height of narcissism. Right? I mean, worship is where we, especially, if nowhere else, especially in worship, lay down our lives and acknowledge, all this isn't about me. Right? And, and worship is the one place where I should especially feel called, or, or at least hopefully understand a call, to give, to give of myself. So uh, I, I think that the answer to questions like that, I don't get anything out of it, is, is to slowly try to guide the person to an understanding of biblical worship. I hope this book can help. Uh, there are, of course, pastoral ways to do it uh, so the person doesn't feel judged or turned off. Uh, but I do think it's important that we guide people back to a real understanding, a biblical understanding of what worship is. We're going to go to a break in a couple of minutes from now, but Father, one of the points that I immediately think about in relation to this topic is confession. How many times have we been to confession confessed our sins, walked out and didn't feel anything, and then started to doubt whether or not any, any it took. Did the confession take, Father? Have you ever heard that question? Has that ever been posed to you? Like, I'm not sure it took, Father. Did it take, Father? I mean, uh, have you ever experienced that? I, I think I felt it on many occasions. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think sometimes they, you know, people hear people say, oh, I came out of the confession, I had such a weight lifted off my chest, and and so when they go to confession, they expect an, a similar emotional experience. And when they don't get that, well, then it didn't happen. What was the point? Well, the point was your sins were absolved, like whether you felt it or not. Right? There's a reality beyond our emotions. So definitely we hear things like that uh, frequently. Uh, Father Jeffrey Kirby, the book is The Real Religion, How to Avoid False Faith and Worship God in Spirit and in Truth. It is published by Catholic Answers. Uh, tell me about the format of the book. I think it's broken up into two segment, sections. How, how did you format the book, Father? Yes, yeah, pretty much the, the first chapter of the Tenets of Biblical Religion. So just to go to the heart of, of the positive, what, what is this understanding? And, and really, chapter one is the heart of the book. So it pre presents all the different parts from the scriptures, from our tradition, of what real religion is. And then the second part is identifying four major areas uh, that are incomplete or deviant of, of true worship. All right, hold that thought. Father Jeffrey Kirby is our guest. We're talking about uh, religion as self-help through his book, Real Religion, How to Avoid False Faith and Worship God in Spirit and Truth. We'll be right back with more of this conversation on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. According to St. Benedict, we should honor all people. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In his rule, St. Benedict takes this quote from the first letter of Peter, but it would be easier had he told us to honor humankind, because abstractions are easy to honor, but we can all think of specific individuals who, by themselves, are very difficult to honor. But no, we are instructed to honor every person. 
He doesn't tell us to decide first whether the person is worthy of honor. Rather, we are to honor all people because each person is made in God's image, and the Son of God gave up his life for that person too. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E, MinuteMonk.com. If by God's grace we can make this choice to honor all people, we will have become a little more like God, who causes his reign to fall on the good and the bad alike. Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and it's good to be on with you. Father Jeffrey Kirby is our guest. You know, now Emily, you're a cradle Catholic, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I'm a convert to the church. Very anti-Catholic uh, version of Protestantism is where I grew up. But uh, I, I'll, I'll never forget how often we, we would hear that statement that would said, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not religious. And Jesus wouldn't have been religious. I, and it, I think that also speaks to that. Have you ever heard that before? Um, yes. So I. this is actually something that's becoming much more popular. I see it all over social media. There's a lot of young Protestant evangelizers, Christian evangelizers, but they have this idea that somehow structured religion is bad or wrong, and God doesn't want us to do it because that's like the old law kind of thing. But that's kind of, um, Father, can you talk about how, because when you go to the Catholic Mass, it's very structured. We have a canon that we follow. We follow the, the Missal, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. how is that? Is that opposed to a relationship with God? Is that bad? No, and, and the, the irony is when it's a, a Christian evangelizer, uh, our, our Lord regularly observed uh, the formal worship of Israel. Uh, and, and when uh, questioned about different aspects, like he, he said, like, you know, none of this is to go away. Uh, we know it's fulfilled. So, for example, uh, the Mass is the fulfilled Passover. Uh, so, you know, the idea that somehow this is the old law, therefore it no longer has significance, is, it almost undercuts the very credibility of what our Lord accomplished as Messiah. So, uh, I think this is, uh, is, is misplaced and, and, and really is, is probably a desire to appeal to the general American casual culture and, and to kind of feed really this type of self-worship that is very popular. So you kind of give a little bit and your, your parish will grow, your congregation will grow. Uh, I, I think, no, we go to the scriptures, like uh, formal worship has its place. It, again, it humbles us, it reminds us we're not the center of the world. It places, places us within a broader tradition in which we encounter God, but also all of our forefathers and foremothers. Like we are a part of something greater than ourselves. Again, it's very humbling, uh, true worship. Now, admittedly, our worship and our, our adoration of God, our discipleship, doesn't end in formal worship. Right? I think as Catholics, we can sometimes push ourselves with that too. Like there should also be personal prayer. There should be devotions in the home, and so on. But the liturgy, the formal prayer, should should be the source and the summit, as Vatican II tells us, of all of the rest of our spiritual life, not the only part of our spiritual life. So, I think there are some challenges we can give, even as we properly and biblically defend uh, formal liturgical worship. 
So it looks like here in the comments of our social media streams, we're having a discussion on enculturation. And so our listeners are asking questions about what role does enculturation play that would be like cultural masses? You've seen the Our Lady of Guadalupe masses, the, you know, the African-American cultural masses. Um, what, what do you think about that, Father Kirby? Yes, I think they all have their place uh, with, you know, under proper guidance from, from the, the leadership of the church. Anything that will, will enhance um, the aspects of the Mass. So if it helps me to participate more in the Mass, if it helps me to encounter God you know, in a better way and so on. Uh, that, these are different efforts than the efforts to make things just objectively satisfying. So we want a pirate ship or we want a, a, a band because I want to feel something, I want to feel better. That's very different than the movements, the authentic spiritual movements, to enhance or to deepen the aspects of the Mass. So I think if there are authentic cultural expressions under proper leadership, uh, I think they have their place in the universal church. Father Jeffrey Kirby is our guest. His book is Real Religion, How to Avoid False Faith and Worship God in Spirit and Truth. It is published by Catholic Answers Press. And uh, I think it's a very timely conversation because our day seems rather uh, strange. More and more every day, it, it confuse, uh, you know, ideas, policies, uh, practices in our in our culture and our communities, Father, it just seems like it's getting worse. And one of the I think the real one of the real tragedies of uh, the pandemic has been um, the suspension of obligation to Sunday Mass. And now we see even I think there was a a story out. Bishop Dolan is trying to encourage New Yorkers to come back to Mass, and but he's but bishops and priests all over the country are having a hard time. Uh, there, I think there's been a sentiment of, why do I need to return to Mass if I can just stream it from home in my PJs, Father? What are you wanting me to get out of bed early for? And I think it does speak to this issue of, we have forgotten, or maybe we just never were taught properly, that we owe God something. I mean, the thought of owing God something seems foreign to so many people. What say you, Father Kirby? Yes, yes. Uh, so first, I think that, you know, uh, the book retrieves, uh, my book retrieves the, the notion of the virtue of religion. And, and oftentimes when people hear that, it catches them off guard. It's, it's in our tradition, but we just haven't used that language in a while. And someone said to me when I spoke of the virtue of religion, they said, wait a minute, that makes it sound like it's supposed to be, it's something we're supposed to do, right? <laughs> because they thought religion was a hobby. Like, okay, if you want that, that's fine. But so then we started speaking of the virtue of religion, no, we're... We, we are bound, as, as you indicated, we, we owe God something. There's a debt that we cannot pay, but our humility, our desire, our gratitude compels us to constantly, throughout our lives, seek to give some aspect or to acknowledge this debt that, that we owe to God. Now, I, I want to emphasize that as I want to also say that uh, with our numbers during the pandemic, um, what we're seeing, uh, Catholicism has often been t called uh, the religion of, of habit, We've broken the habit. So I think what we're also seeing is a great purification and a moment of integrity in that there are a lot of people who've been with us who really have not believed. Mm. Now, I hope this is an opportunity for them to once again, or perhaps for the first time, to truly hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, you know, I choose Christ. Like, my life is nothing without him. He is my only hope. We know there are a lot of people who've been with us who have never made that claim. They say, we could even say they're, they're good Catholics, but they don't really know Jesus good Catholic here in quotation, meaning they observe everything, they participate in all the things they're obliged to do, but their heart has never had that personal conversion to Christ that's supposed to happen by the grace of the sacraments. So I also see this as a moment of integrity. And honestly, if some walk away and do not come back because they do not want Christ, well, 
blessings to them in the sense that might be the first act of true integrity they've ever made in terms of their supposed discipleship. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Father, could you make a distinction between like a a low-level sentimentality and real emotion? Because I know, correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, but I see this trend of saints where they go from like shallow sentimentality to pure intellect, and then it seems like the highest form of holiness is like this mystical ecstasy where like you have saints like Padre Pio and St. Dominic who could not get through the Roman canon because they were crying so hard, they had the gift of tears. And so can you talk about a, a sort of purified emotion in worship? Yes, yes, great. So I think that the the lowest and broadest, and, and, and we have to say, you know, worship almost with quotation marks, it's all about my emotional indulgence. So I want to be subjectively satisfied. I want to be, you know, have that euphoria of emotion. And then there's that movement to, to the spiritual soul, the intellect and will. And then there's a certain purification called the purgative way in the spiritual life of our emotion. And as you indicate, then in the higher states of the spiritual life, there's this type of absorption in God. And that's the difference, that the, the same might be moved to tears, holy tears, our tradition calls them. But it's not that they themselves are emotionally euphoric, but that they are completely consumed by God. So we can say it's a sentiment only in the sense of they are now completely dwelling within the utter God, utter, utter, the complete and total utter, utter uh, love of God. Uh, Father Jeffrey Kirby is our guest. We only have a couple of minutes left. His book is Real Religion, How to Avoid False Faith and Worship God in Spirit and in Truth published by Catholic Answers. Father, in the last couple of minutes, can you give us some practical steps or takeaways or advice? What do we do when we, we encounter people in our lives, friends, family members, uh, who fall into the trap of sentimentality, of, of uh, sort of the self-help uh, category of, of religion? What, what should we say? What should we do? Yes, I, I always go back to the, the, to the very first line of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I, I find very uh, inspiring. I've actually used it for my personal prayer at different times. Uh, it reads, God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself. I just find that so powerful. That to say God is infinitely perfect. I don't have to fix him. I don't have to update him. And he's blessed in himself. I add nothing to his greatness. So I think by helping people, guiding people to come to this understanding that, that God is real. Like he is all powerful, ever living, infinitely perfect, blessed in himself. So acknowledging uh, the glory and the majesty of God. And then slowly guiding someone to say, now worship is when we acknowledge that, realize that we've been a recipient of his sheer goodness, no benefit of our own. We, we did not merit it. We didn't earn it. We couldn't convince God to do it for us. It's sheer goodness. And then guiding that person to this posture of humility and acknowledgement. I think that those are the steps, the, the first spiritual steps we can take in terms of helping someone to understand uh, true religion. You know, uh, we don't have a lot of time here, but... <laughs> And my own work in apologetics, you know, defending the church against Protestants in particular through Scripture, what I've realized over the years is sometimes you can, I've sat, we'll sit there and we'll, we'll battle the verse war, right? This verse, that verse, that kind of thing. And then I'll have to oftentimes stop and realize, oh, wait, their issue isn't intellectual. Their issue is emotional. And I'm not asking the right questions. Have you ever seen that, Father? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. Even just looking at our culture, how many times people will say, I feel, when it really should be, I think, Right. Uh, and, and we see, again, this is total overtaking of sentiment, and, 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 and you can't reason with sentiment. I mean, the, the, the emotions of themselves like, are, have no internal rational, rationale. Like, so I, I think oftentimes our first task is to, is to try to wake someone up and, and help them to acknowledge that there's an entire order of reality beyond our emotions. Our emotions are good when they're properly ordered, 
But we know our emotions, if we let them, they could take us all the way to hell, right? While we feel subjectively satisfied along the way. So I think there's trying to help people to understand there's a reality beyond our emotions, beyond our own thoughts, that there's a higher order here that we are called to be a part of. And, and here's the rub. If we want peace in this life, true tranquility, that's a proper order, uh, a tranquility of order. It means we have to acknowledge what's beyond us. We keep thinking we have to invent things, we have to carry the weight. We will constantly be miserable in this life. And I want to emphasize, and I, I do throughout the book, that God has made us happy. And, and in order to live that happiness, we have to acknowledge this, this order outside of ourselves. I mean, truly realize we are not the center of the world. All right. Praise be to God. Father Jeffrey Kirby, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Thank you. God love you. God bless you, Father. His book is Real Religion, How to Avoid False Faith and Worship God in Spirit and in Truth, published by Catholic Answers Press. We'll link to it. But that is going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. Uh, We're very grateful for you for joining for us for this hour, and we'll be posting this conversation with Father Kirby later today on our YouTube channel, Catholic Drive Time, as well as Rubble and Facebook and elsewhere. You can find everything linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt plus you can join our email list there so that we can stay in touch with you no matter what the sensory uh uh, tech overlords have to say about it grnonline.com forward slash cdt in the next hour fear and trembling game show is on deck plus the after show and so much more we'll see you then thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord, Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19.16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. 
a beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Good morning to you. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. I'm seeing a, a conversation break out about the chosen in the com box there on Facebook. Things could get dicey. It's going to get dicey. We'll see how it goes. Praise be to God. I'm kidding. We just finished a, a great conversation in the first hour with Father Jeffrey Kirby about uh, real religion. You know, the virtue of giving God what we owe him, our worship and adoration, uh, falling into the trap of sentimentality. Uh, really good conversation, and um, I think we're going to be posting that here in just a little while, too. But, uh, Emily, I know, good morning to you. I know you saw a post, our Twitter, from uh, Bishop Strickland this on this same subject. Yeah, we were literally having this conversation. We just finished, and then I saw Bishop Strickland posted an article. The article is entitled, Looking for a Personal Relationship with Jesus? Question mark. Take the Eucharist, say the Church Fathers. And I'm going to post it online, but you can find it at CatholicEastTexas.online. And it's all about how the early Church Fathers um, and, and the disciples of Christ who lived a dozen or a hundred years after he lived, they clung to the Eucharist, they clung to icons and crucifixes, just as the apostles clung to the body of Christ. And they died for the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. They died for these... Um, and, and there have been martyrs who died over, you know, icons and sacred images um, that they refused to step on or whatever or to or to um, commit sacrilege against. And so as as Catholic, it's important to remember that we are body and soul. We are incarnate. Um, and so those those physical things are important, too. The statues and the paintings are important, too. Amen. Praise be to God. All right. Uh, speaking of things that are important as well, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to be here. So thank you very much. <laughs> All right. I'm well, in a said. joyful mood, mood after that last conversation. I guess. Yeah. We'll be posting that conversation, like we said, on our uh, social streams on on YouTube, on our Catholic Drive Time channel, on Rumble. I wonder, dear listener, do you subscribe to us on Rumble? Have you ever been on Rumble? I would love to know. I'm very intrigued whether or not you have ever been there, watched anything there, ever comment, like, or share our Rumble video. That would be super cool. And let us know what if you're using any alternative platforms. Let us know so we can possibly use that platform. This conversation today will not get us canceled, but the ones we have will <laughs> might do might might get us canceled. So let us know yes. where your uh, alternative platforms are. Amen. Okay, so what's going to happen? We're going to have a uh, good news segment coming up here in just one moment. So, praise be to God, good news this hour. Last hour, it's the normal stuff. It's the average, you know, somewhat heavy uh, headlines. But in the second hour, it's always good news. 
And then we're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then our Fear and Trembling game show where you, my dear listener, get to be the contestant and possibly win a pretty cool prize this week by Studio Sen, S-E-N-N.com. StudioSen.com is our underwriter for our game show this week. Praise be to God for that. And so that's coming up. And three questions. You don't even need to know the answers. Pretty easy, pretty straightforward. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Plus, we're going to have our after show where we'll allow you, our dear listener, to drive the conversation. Whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind, you get to conversate about that coming up in the after show. So all of that on deck this hour. Hopefully, you'll be able to join us for at least part or all of it. That would be wonderful. Again, you can find all of the links, rules to the game show, and the phone number at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray for whatever your intentions are, dear listener. We're including ours as well and asking Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to pray in her seat for all of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. California has officially lifted all capacity restrictions on religious gatherings as of Monday, following the Supreme Court's ruling over the weekend that the state's restrictions were too harsh. The state announced on Monday that in response to recent judicial rulings, effective immediately, location and capacity limits on places of worship are not mandatory, but are strongly recommended. Previously, the state limited indoor gatherings at homes to a maximum of three households. After residents sued to overturn the capacity limits for private Bible studies, the Supreme Court ruled on April 9th that the 9th U.S. Circuit Court should have granted an injunction blocking the policy. The court majority noted in an unsigned order that the state's three-households rule did not apply as strictly to secular indoor gatherings like shopping. A federal court on Tuesday upheld an Ohio law prohibiting doctors from performing abortions based on a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome. In a statement, Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of the Susan B. Anthony List, said, Now that a circuit split has occurred on the issue of whether states may prohibit the eugenic practice of discrimination abortion, the Supreme Court has even more reason to weigh in on this important matter and declare these laws as constitutional. Discriminatory abortions based on sex, race, and disability are no less than modern-day eugenics and must swiftly come to an end. Other discrimination abortion bans have been passed recently by other states as well, outlawing abortions conducted for reasons of the baby's sex, race, or fetal anomaly. And Pope Francis has hailed St. Teresa of Avila as exemplar of courage and spiritual motherhood in a letter marking 50 years since the 16th century Spanish mystic was declared the first female doctor of the church. The Pope's letter to Bishop José María Giltamayo of Avila was read aloud at the inaugural Mass for an international congress on St. Teresa that is taking place in Avila, Spain, and virtually v- via live stream April 12th to the 15th. The Holy Father said, quote, Her courage, her intelligence, and her tenacity, to which she united a sensitivity for the beautiful and a spiritual motherhood toward all those who approached her work, are an exemplary example of the extraordinary role that women have played throughout history in the Church and society. 
St. Teresa played a significant role in the renewal of the church that followed the Council of Trent and was declared Doctor of the Church in 1970. Pope Francis encouraged the International Congress to continue spreading her teachings. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to God in all things. Blessed Lucien Batovasoa, pray for us. He was born in 1908 in Madagascar. He was the eldest of nine children. Lucien was baptized at age 10, made his first communion at 14, and from 1922 to 1927, he studied at the Jesuit St. Joseph College and became a school teacher dedicated to both religious and secular education of children. However, at the end of each class, he would read about the lives of the saints to the students who wanted to stay. And Blessed Lucian would marry Susanna in October of 1930. They had five kids. Lucian joined the Crusaders of the Heart of Jesus in August of 35, and he began to learn to speak Chinese, German, and French. He had also a, a fine singing voice and was the music director of his parish choir. Blessed Lucian was a pious man so drawn to religious life that he searched for material of saints who were married in order to learn how to combine the two ways of life. His wife got nervous, though. She was afraid he might uh, leave her for the monastery, which didn't happen, of course. In 1940, Blessed Lucian joined the secular Franciscans with an uh, enthusiastic drive to spread devotion to St. Francis of Assisi and the spiritual benefits of being a Franciscan. He often fasted and wore a khaki shirt and tan trouser, trousers instead of his teacher's black robe. He wore the colors of the tertiaries. In the spring of 47, a persecution of Christians broke out in Madagascar in his region, with priests and nuns being the first to be arrested and imprisoned. Then it became Christians, the ordinary lay folk, being killed at random in groups for their faith. On the afternoon of the 14th of April, 1947, Blessed Lucian learned that the anti-Christian forces would be coming for him. He refused to run, though, and instead spent the rest of his day with his wife and children. He was arrested that night, judged and condemned by the local chief and executed. His guards, his executioners, were men that he once taught when they were schoolboys. He was beheaded with a sword between 10 p.m. and midnight on the 14th of April, 1947, wearing his third order tertiary colors. He was tossed into the river. Pope Francis would beatify him on April 10th, 2018. Blessed Lucian, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the verdict, that the light came into the world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come toward the light so that his works might not be exposed. But whoever lives the truth 
comes to the light, so that his works may be clearly seen as done in God, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, powerful passage. It's obviously incredible. Last hour I read a, just a, an incredible you know, hammer blow to the heart, a quote from St. Gregory the Great. And it should convict us that um, we have uh, a great gift that we're being given. Praise be to God. It is a gift that we did not deserve or earn. Praise be to God. But once we've received a gift, we have to live like we've been given a gift. We have to live our life as though we have been given a gift. Everything in our life must change. And I think uh, at the core of this passage, we have to make a very, very critical decision in our life. We have to um, choose the light over the darkness. Adrian, what did you find? Uh, yes, so the, the passage today is probably one of the most commented on passages uh, <laughs> just on, in general in Christianity. And in every baseball and, game. In every baseball game, every football game, every, everything. So uh, I'm going to not address John 3.16 at what? all. Yep. And I'm going to skip over to the last like three verses. Uh, and so the Cornelius Lapide, and uh, this is going to be based off of Cornelius Lapide, Fulton Sheen, and uh, some meditations that uh, I was thinking about yesterday and adoration uh, in front of the, the miraculous pilgrim statue of Our Lady of Fatima. And so the idea that the light in the darkness is played on throughout Scripture, we see it constantly throughout Scripture, and it was dark and darkness, and then it was evening. Uh, why does it point out those things? Nothing in Scripture is superfluous. And so whenever it brings up night, it symbolizes not just the literal that it was nighttime, but also the, the hiding, the hiding, because wh where do we do our sins? We do it in secret. We don't want people to see it. Why? Because we're ashamed of it, because we know there's something wrong with it. And we cannot act in the daytime. We cannot act in the light, because the light symbolizes the truth. And Fulton Sheen talks very vividly about uh, the... Words of Pontius Pilate, what is truth? Can we know it? Is there a truth? Fulton Sheen has a great meditation on this. And Cornelius Lapide, on this passage, he says, look, if you're trying to convert heretics, because his meditation on this passage is specifically targeted to combating the heresies of Calvinism, because uh, this is uh, used by a lot of uh, Protestants to prove that you only need faith to be saved. And so that's what he goes through. But I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on a thing he points out on how to convert sinners. He says, therefore, to convert a heretic, make use of this method. First, persuade him to lead an honest life, moral, chaste, and holy. Thus will you the more easily bring him to the true faith. Because heresy comes from sin. Heresy comes from sin. Why? Because whenever you sin, you, your will is weakened and your intellect is darkened. You're not able to think clearly. You're not able to uh, use your prudence well. And so the more you sin, the more you fall away from the truth and the more you fall into heresy and vice versa. You start having heresy, you start sinning. These things go hand in hand. That's why it is said that you cannot pray the rosary and sin. One has to give. You either will give up the rosary or you'll give up your sin. Praise be to God. All right. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back with the Fear and Trembling Game Show. God is so very good. There's a new opportunity to win the prize. 
Three chances to get in on it. All you have to do, dear listeners, be our first caller and our contestant, and you could possibly win a very cool prize thanks to StudioSen.com. That's S-E-N-N. The phone number to call, call right now, 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets on. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read scripture, read the catechism, listen to apologetics tapes, listen to Catholic radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5 verse 10. Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. And uh, so I just ask that you please don't share this publicly. Don't tell anybody this. But uh, we have three Catholic trivia questions in my hand. Uh, but we like to teach a little bit about the faith, right? So uh, you secretly learn something you probably didn't know before. So it's a very teachable moment. And we like to have a little laugh, a little fun in the process, too. And we give out prizes. So it's kind of a win-win-win for everyone. But let's pretend like this is a very serious piece of business. Uh, we, we ask for callers. The caller gets to be the contestant. But we don't ask the caller the question. 
right? So that's the catch. If you're brand new here, these Catholic trivia questions are asked to Emily and Adrian here in the studio. One of them will be right, the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong. And then, uh, so it's a 50-50 shot, and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. This week's prize sponsor is StudioSend.com. That's Studio S-E-N-N.com. Studio Send is a Catholic shop started by Courtney Sen, wife and mother, and she is an artist and an author, and she has designed so many beautiful images. She's got banners on her website, cards, books, um, all kinds of stuff you can imagine. She's giving away this week a canvas banner of Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's a beautiful design to have displayed in your home. So, StudioSend.com, thank you for sponsoring this this week. Praise be to God. A lot of calls came in this morning. Thank you, everyone, who tries to call in and be a part of our game show. It's a lot of fun, and we want you to have your opportunity. So you can call in tomorrow if you don't make it on the show. The phone number is listed on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can call in early, too. And hang out. That's possible. All right, but let's go to uh, Anne-Marie. Uh, let's see. Good morning to you, Anne-Marie. Good morning. Uh, good. Thanks for being a part of our program. Thank you. Praise be to God, Anne. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Germantown, Maryland. Germantown. Is this uh, the Marion Challenge, Anne-Marie? You got it. Praise be to God. Now, Anne-Marie is, uh, just for the audience's sake, uh, she calls it every four times a year. We jump on all across the network, a Guadalupe Radio Network, to raise funds from our listeners to keep going in our apostolate. Anne-Marie calls in almost every hour. Uh, she calls in a bunch, but her, her she always calls in a challenge gift, and she tries to throw like the most uh, stumper type of uh, Marian apparition questions that she can throw at us, and we're always trying to talk and research simultaneously, and it's a lot of fun. So, Anne, thank you for your support. You're welcome. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I figured you guys can play my game. I can play yours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so the tables have turned, Anne, so I hope you're ready to go here today. Are you, are you familiar with how the game is played? I've been listening to it for the last three weeks since I've been back to work. Praise be to God. Well, then you know Emily and Adrian can be tricky. They could try to fool you. you got to listen very carefully. I got that. And I, however, am on your side, so just keep that in well, mind, too. Well, you always have been on my side, Joe. Praise Aww. be to God. From your lips to God's ear, Anne-Marie. All right, let's go. Let's play. Emily, we'll start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. This could be a tricky question right here. Are you ready? I'm prepared, Are yes. you sure? I'm positive. Are you sure? Yes. Here we go. Emily, is it necessary to confess every sin while in confession? No. Really? Only mortal sins. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. So you're saying I shouldn't confess in confession. I see where you're going with that. All right. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, this is a tricky question. Is it necessary to confess every sin while in confession? Yes, you must confess every single sin or you are pretty much damned to hell. <laughs> really? Yep. Uh, okay, that's your answer? Yep. All right. So, uh, Adrian is on the hook for absolutely every sin or else. Emily is on the hook for, no, only the mortal ones. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. And Marie, what say you? Adrian. Survey says, I'm oh. so sorry, Emory. But in <laughs> fact, Emily is right here. You technically only have to confess your mortal sins. However, I think uh, the church would say confessing your venial sins is great spiritual practice. Very beneficial. Very beneficial. In fact, 
even if you haven't committed any mortal sins, it's still a good practice to go, what, bi-weekly? Bi-weekly is great because then you're always ready to receive indulgences. Yes. Yes or yes. So, tricky question. It was a curveball, Anne-Marie. I'm so sorry. But the good news is you have two more opportunities. And I want to say they get easier from here. We'll have to just see. We're going to go with Adrian next. Adrian, are you ready? Oh, yes. Here we go. Adrian, can you tell me? To swear falsely or violate an oath is an act of what? It is an act of perjury. Okay. Perjury is my answer. Emily, can you tell me? To swear falsely or violate an oath is an act of what? Uh, To swear falsely... Well, well, falsehoods are called lies, so I'm going to go with lying. Lying. Okay. Yes. Okay, so... Your answer is lying. A- Emily's on the hook for lying, and Adrian is on the hook for perjury. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? And Marie, what say you? Adrian. Survey says. Well yes. done. There you go. Well done. Yeah, you didn't fall, fall for that one, did you? So, Not at all. Could we say, like, if you say, let's say you, you swore an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States and you didn't keep your word, that'd be perjury, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. You gotta, and, and you'd need to confess that before you died. Ooh. Would you? Huh. Yep. Interesting. I'm not, it's it's mortal? I'm not pointing any examples or anything out. I'm just thinking very out loud. Mortal. Very, okay. very mortal. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Third question's a charm here. Anne-Marie, you are in the coffee cup. Praise be to God. But this last one, I, I don't think I would know this in all, in all, in all honesty. Let's just see how it goes. Back to Emily. Emily, can you tell me? List the first hierarchy of angels. So there's there's a whole bunch of levels of angels. They come in categories. What is the first hierarchy of angels called? Okay, I actually, I remember studying this. There's nine choirs of angels, and the first hierarchy mm-hmm. goes seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. Seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. Yes, that's correct. Sounds legit. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, can you list the first hierarchy, the first category, the first level of angels? Well, I took the same class as Emily did. (laughs) 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 And uh, and let's see the uh, you know, my my archangel, my uh, garden angel is pretty strong. So I'm going to say garden angels, archangels and principalities. Wow. All right. Let's see. Adrian is on the hook for. Guardian angels, archangels, and principalities. Emily is on the hook for seraphim, cherubim, and thrones. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? And Marie, what say you? Emily. Survey says. There you go. (laughs) And Marie. Well done. Two out of three. That's got to feel pretty good. It does. (laughs) <laughs> you, you sound hesitant. Are, are, you weren't sure. Did you know that one? Were you guessing? I mean, uh, 50-50 shot every time, right? No, it was about an 85% shot on that one. Oh. <laughs> well, you'd have done better than me because I didn't know. I, I chose the last three. You chose the last three instead of the first three. Well, praise be to God. Anne-Marie, Germantown, God bless you. Thanks for uh, being a, a fun participant on our show today. Certainly, I I enjoy it. Like I said, you play mine, so it's my, it's only fair that I play yours. All right. So uh, real quick, before I have to put you on hold, because we're about to run out of time here, uh, just between you and me, Anne Marie. Okay, just between uh-huh. us. What source do you use for your Marian apparitions? <laughs> just just it's just us. Just me and you. Uh, just between you and me. Yeah, just me and you. <laughs> just give me. And that the, would be the internet. 
get oh, <laughs> okay. good answer. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> do you have like a specific website you're oh, looking at? I mean, it's just God. just us. I'm just From curious. Maps on EWTN and everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're not going to tell me, are you? You're not going to give me the goods. All right. You're going to make me keep the goods. scouring exactly. the internet for the right Marian apparition answers. All right. Praise me in that. Praise be to God. We we love playing though. All the same. God bless you, Anne Marie. I want to put you on hold. Make sure Adrian has your phone number in case it be God's will that your name is pulled out of the coffee cup of divine providence on Friday morning. But God bless you. Have a great day. Okay, thank you. God bless you. All right. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive, our second hour of radio show. And next we go to Holy Mass on the radio. So if you're going to go and listen to the Holy Mass, please keep us in your prayers. We would be very grateful to you for that. But if you can join us for the after show, we would surely love to have you. All you have to do is be on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. And you can find all of those links on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Boy, it was fun having Anne-Marie on today. Great yeah, show. it's great to finally hear her voice. Yes, and she throws us the trickiest Marian apparitions. Oh, I yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, we never have enough time to research them. So it's, uh, it's, it's a big challenge, but it's a lot of fun to do, too. And it inspires others to give. So praise be to God for it. All right, so the after show is coming up next, and my dear listener, you get to drive that conversation, whatever's on your heart. There's been some great conversation based on our Father Kirby conversation today, plus there was some uh, other conversations about like The Chosen and other things. We'll be commenting on all of that coming up in our live video stream of the after show, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can find all the links at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. I want to thank Roxanne and Glenn and Patty and Chris and there's so many others for sharing our content there. We're very grateful to you. God bless you and God love you. But we'll see you back here tomorrow morning if you're not going to join us. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, all across the Guadalupe Radio Network and the Station of the Cross for another couple of hours of Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired is our mission. We take it seriously. And we're grateful that you are a part of the family. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time in the After Show, where we hang out with you for the next half hour, talking about whatever is on your heart, on your mind. You get to drive the conversation in the com box. So uh, tell us where you're from, what's on your mind, what do you want to talk about, your comments, anything you want is uh, open to, to discussion, and we want to hear from you. So praise be to God for that. Great show today, Emily. Yeah, Father Kirby was so good. I, I really want to read his book now because I really have been hearing uh, this is this is such an issue. The sentimentality in religion. Um, it's it, it's a powerful tool that can be misused so frequently. Yeah. Amen. Praise be to God. Um, and I think it's a, a topic that resonated with our audience today. I'm seeing a lot of really good comments going back and forth. And that's wonderful to see, actually. 
Yeah, and I, I personally know people who have used that line. Uh, I don't get anything out of mass. I hear that like all the time, which it's is not why feeding me. Yeah, I'm so glad he answered that question for us. Yeah, I know that's something that we experienced early on in our own journey about being fed. Right? Even I would say even today there is a risk of, um, well, you know, Father's homily just wasn't very good. You know, it didn't really feed me. You know, as if I'm the center of the universe. Right. I mean, I know I am the center of the universe, but let's just, you know, <laughs> for the sake of the conversation, you know, the world doesn't evolve around me and therefore shouldn't exist to just please me. And we go to a Holy Mass to give God what we owe God. It's not about us uh, as much as we're there to give him um, our worship, our adoration. And in exchange, what a beautiful thing he does for us by giving us his graces through the sacraments. Yeah. And I'm definitely guilty of church hopping as well. Yeah. Now, let's see here. Um, I'm going to go back and I'm trying to look at all of the comments. I see Christopher Chance. Praise be to God. Patty, our friend Jesus Robles. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, Josh Patterson. Good morning. Good to see you here. Praise be to God. Um, replying, going through, looking at, seeing who's on with us today. Um, Patty, a lot of conversation. Seely Markson, that's got to be a new commenter. I think so. I, I don't, don't think recognize I've that name. I've never seen Seely Markson comment before, which means that he gets the first comment, uh, first commenter sounder there as soon as we get Adrian back to the board. Yeah. Um, Seely Markson, can't forget that one. Let's see, who else here? Praise be to God. A lot of conversation. Uh, Valerie is the here this morning. Praise be to God. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to catch up on all the conversation because I can't always read it during I know. the show. <laughs> it's very hard. Don, good morning to you. Praise be to God. It's good to see you, Don. Uh, of course, Lori, good morning. Good morning. We love having Lori hanging out with us every morning. Praise be to God for that. Uh, Luz is here, of course, our friend. Luz, and let's see who else. I know I thought I saw Monica, Joaquin. Good morning. Praise be to God. Gloria, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out. Bruce says, hello from Austin. Love the show. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Praise be to God. I love Austin. Do you? I do. Intentionally? Like it's on got purpose? the greatest hiking and natural. Like I think it's <laughs> one of the most beautiful areas in Texas. Wow. That's saying something. Uh, Jeff, good morning to you. Eric and uh, Adrian's grandma. Good morning. Praise be to God. Estella, thank Hi, you for being on with us. Alaric, uh, good morning. Roseanne, it's good to see you here. Great conversation this morning, Roseanne. Angelo said, I love seeing, hearing Father Kirby's homilies. Yeah, amen. He le he listens or watches them on YouTube. Um, Christopher Velasquez, good morning. Susanna, good morning to you. Praise be to God. And then, of course, I thought I saw Susan as well. There are a couple Susans. And yeah. Oh, I, I know there's one that you have not read. Okay. And I know there's one that is a new commenter. <laughs> wow. Don't they, have we made an official decision that first-time commenters get the horns of the apocalypse, or are you still going with the alleluia? I'm going with the, the great and wonderful alleluia. Horns of the Wait, what? The, uh, the great alleluia what? of uh, our Lord Judgment. is risen. What? Our Lord is risen, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Horns you know, of judgment and apocalypse. You know, whenever I think joy, I think, you know, apocalypse. the world is ending. Who does not think joy when they read the, the book of Revelation? Usually I think of uh, terror and horror and, <laughs> and the this is going to be the most terrifying thing. the earth split in two. And literally, <laughs> literally the most terrifying thing <laughs> of all eternity. Have you ever listened to 
the dramatic uh, reading of the New Testament uh, that you can see. I, my, I, I met the guy who published. Who well, before you do that, it. we have to say hi to our new listener. Okay, you so do that. Our, I'm going to cue this up. All right. You do that. Our new listener, uh, or new commenter, rather, from Station of the Cross. What? Mary Barone on, on Facebook. She said, and when we love, we naturally want to uh, be present. No love, no desire. Amen, Mary. God bless you. She was commenting uh, in regards to Father's interview. So here you go, uh, Mary. Praise be to God, Mary. Thanks for being a part of our program. We're very grateful to you. And uh, it's good to hear from listeners from the Station of the Cross as well. Praise be to God for that. By the way, so is, is Bruce not a new commenter? Bruce. From Bruce. Austin. Are you, an, are you a new commenter? I don't know that I've seen a comment I don't think from Bruce I have before. Too. So Bruce I don't think is I have. also a first-time commenter. You know what that means. Pretty epic, isn't it? Pretty, Pretty epic. epic. Oh, and then... Earlier, Bruce, God love you, brother. Thanks for joining our show today. Uh, we saw another, I want to say it's got to be a first-time commenter. His name is Seely Markson. Have you seen a comment from Seely Markson, Markson before? It, Emily mm. and I were like, we hadn't seen it. Where? Where is, oh, okay, I see him. Uh, no, I don't, I think well, he is you know also what that new. means. Wow. Three times. We got to play this three times today, so praise be to God. Jennifer, good morning to you. Yeah, we'll be posting the interview with Father Kirby uh, later today, but you can always go back and watch the live stream as well. Valentin, my friend, don't do that. He'll listen to that, and he'll, we don't, we're trying to, no, don't do it, Valentin. Don't be offering those suggestions anymore. Wait, was someone saying, I I think I heard someone mention, yeah, that's what I thought I heard someone say. Yeah, someone said that. Jesus is a friend of mine. See, I agree, Sienna. I agree. Adrian is super tricky, but Emily and I, we are funny. I agree with you. 100%. Ouch. 100%. Ouch. 100. Good morning, CDT team. David L. Good morning, David L. David L., are you a first-time commenter? Hmm. David L. He might be. I don't know. David L. Let us know. Oh, is that David L. Gray? David L. Gray? Because if it is, then no, he's commented before. But he deserves a hallelujah all the same. He also has been on the show before. His show is great, by the way. Oh, Wednesdays at 4 Central across the GRN. By the way, okay, so let me play just a few seconds of this just to give you an example of the the level of quality that I'm referring to. Uh, Let me just turn this up so you can hear this. I can't play it too much. Clothed with the sun. Have you ever heard this before? Her feet. No. And on her head. If you download the EWTN uh, app, you can get access to this narration, dramatic narration of the entire New Testament. They spent more than a million dollars with Hollywood actors uh, producing this dramatic representation. Yeah, uh, who was the guy who uh, went with Frodo? Uh, to the Samwise. Samwise. Samwise, Sa- Samwise Ganji narrated, I think, the Book of Matthew. He's real? Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, sure. I thought that he was a fictional character in Tolkien's mind. <laughs> here, Next here thing you're going to tell this me. This whole time he's real. Next <laughs> thing you're going to say that G.K. Chesterton is a good writer. I mean, like, come on. Um, next thing I'm going to say is that uh, G.K. Chesterton is uh, is booked for next week. What? Um, no. Or, or uh, what's his name? No, um, no I'll what, tell you, I'll what, make what you a deal. What's his name? I'll make you a deal. If we, if we the guy who wrote the thing. If we don't interview G.K. Chesterton, I will, in exchange, as a, as a gesture of goodwill, interview the guy who's saying Jesus is a friend of mine. 
Um, that's a deal. You know, I, honestly, I don't. I don't think I want to interview. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he'll wear shoes or if he'll come in his socks. <laughs> Um, what's his name? The guy you, uh, that was so specific when you said the guy that did the thing. The guy that, that did the GK test. That is a GK test. Oh, Dale Elquist. Dale Elquist. <laughs> I was forgetting his name. I was like, obviously, I'm not booking oh, GK test. David he's dead. from New Hampshire is David L. David L. Changed, oh. David changed his name. Oh, his okay. handle on on okay. YouTube. So not David yeah, L. So <laughs> people are like, so the new people are like, I don't understand what they're talking about. Well, that song, we don't either. The song, <laughs> song Jesus is a friend of mine. Sounds harmless on the surface. I get it. I understand. But let me tell you something. Once it's infected your mind, it'll just destroy the rest of your day. Because that's all you'll think about is trying to sing that tune. You'll never get it out. And if you ever watch the video, it will, it will, you'll have to go to counseling after. Well, you know, Joe, if uh, we really, maybe we should get him as a guest. But you know what? Jonah. That's all I'm saying. I mean, if I mean, if that's if God wants us to interview the guy who did Jesus, is a friend of mine. You know, it'll happen. It'll it'll happen. Uh, Jonah asked for the uh, the Jesus is a friend of mine song. Jonah, oh, Jonah, you're killing me. My again, friend. again. No. Jesus. Okay, okay. There you go. There you go, Jonah. Jonah. God bless you. Talk to your God sister, you, Sienna. She's got this down. She knows that Emily and I are funny, and Adrian is tricky. Uh, well, Ask Genevieve. Sienna. Genevieve said that Adrian is good. So, what? and you know, and you know, and I think she's referring to good in the Thomistic sense. You know, good as in the the bonum, the, Why do you the ultimate call me good. good? Mm-hmm. Only God is good. Uh, you know, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Right? Be perfect. <laughs> and I just approach that christopher chance on facebook said i saw the music video i was terrified <laughs> i'm also laughing at why did he say golem earlier golem oh he, yeah. i'm probably referring to uh the guy Sam who was, who was with um the guy who was with frodo, with frodo. he said golem. i guess he, he technically he was with the bro so golem narrated the gospel <laughs> <laughs> tricks as it is Oh no! Oh no! This has completely de- we collapsed. The gospel and that, I feel like that oh, might be blasphemy or sacrilege. Be, it might be very terrible. Maybe we ought not to do that. But it is tempting. I got to be honest. It would be very tempting. Uh, Mary commented again. She said, "Ha ha, lol." So thank you very much, Mary, on Station the Cross. Uh, it gets pretty pretty dicey at the after show, just so you know. Uh, but all right, praise be to God. There was a lot of conversation going on during our interview with Father Kirby. How about you address some of that? Yeah. Ooh. So yeah, the the comments. So we're we're addressing a lot of the liturgical dancing, and I don't know. To be honest, this is not me making any definitive statements. I have not looked enough into it to make anything in reference to uh, tradition or teachings of the church. I'm just saying, from Adrian Fonseca's perspective. And liturgical dancing, even in the alleged cultures that they say, oh, well, you know, in the Philippines and, and in Africa, liturgical dancing is a is a tradition that they've had. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems irreverent, the whole idea of it. And people will say, no, well, it's just it's part of their uh, liturgical uh, culture prior to uh, the Christianization. But mm, even still, I if that, even if that's true, it seems foreign to the mass itself and it's importing pagan beings i think one thing that gets lost in the conversation oftentimes is we see we 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 somehow we 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 categorize people we do so without thinking about it sometimes we think that there's the indigenous peoples and then there's everybody else 
Um, every human person goes back to the same two people on planet Earth. Uh, that's genetically true. It's also uh, true based on faith. So all human persons on Earth today had a tribal background. I mean, Abraham was pulled out of the tribe. You know, it became uh, the seed uh, through which Moses might bring the nations together under King David, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, even like my own background is from Scotland, very tribal, very tribal. The Pictish people painting their body in tattoos uh, were kicked out by the Celts that came over from, from Ireland. So all human persons, even in the Western, even in Europe, in Western cultures, even they have tribal backgrounds. So you could, argue, you could try to make the argument that all of our tribal backgrounds should be a part of our liturgy, but uh, that's clearly not the case, right? I mean, we think about um, how liturgy is, is bringing ma mankind together, and that's part of the reason why I love the Latin Mass. It's not necessarily because of the Latin, or that the fact is the liturgy is a thousand years old or more. It's part of what I love about it is next to me are people who do not speak English, and we are on the same page. We are reading from, from uh, the same page at the same time, worshiping God shoulder to shoulder. Uh, it is truly a, a, a universal aspect that I really love about liturgy. And it has nothing to do with their tribal background or mine or what have you. So anyway, I love it. By the way, uh, Jennifer over on YouTube, I think we can't give her enough credit. Uh -oh. I, I really don't. I don't like this. I don't like what this is going. She seems, um, I've never met Jennifer uh, you know, but she seems wise, um, astute, brilliant, insightful. Uh, I don't know. She just seems like she has like the 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 wisdom of the ages. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Um, I, I don't like where this is going. This is going in a very bad place. So her comment. Um, I, I, again, I think we should read her comment. I think we should move on. I think we should publish it personally. I, I, I think I, we should put it in a book and publish it. She says, mm, "Let me I, let I, me quote. Let me quote, I, uh, Adrian." You should have given Joe at least one horn of the apocalypse for the three new commenters. Unquote. You see, I mean, brilliant. The insight, the the uh, the, the syntax alone is just incredible. You know, I Jennifer, you're a genius. This is, this is you're a true genius, and I fine, couldn't agree more. Fine, I because Jennifer asked, not because I Joe tried asked, to agree because more, Jennifer said, but I couldn't because it was that brilliant. Because Jennifer said it, not not Joe. Brilliant. Absolutely. Don't, don't you feel so happy for the new commenters? I do. Now that, uh, I do. The that horns of the apocalypse. I'm so, I'm so filled with joy. So filled, filled with joy. With joy. <laughs> the new people are like, what in the world was that? <laughs> the after show is, is, uh, is racked full of inside jokes. Okay, I'm so sorry for all the new people uh, who are struggling with, with trying to understand this. So... The horns of the apocalypse. Hey, Sue said that you were actually describing Adrian's astuteness. Astu yeah. Hey, listen. Hey, Sue's Robles, my friend. <laughs> you went to a whole new level. You must have gotten a pay raise out of Adrian this week. That was brilliant, I must because say. Because you went on a dissertation uh, of, his, of his, quote, brilliance you know, earlier I, I think I show. have to read this. It is just so beautiful. Is it? He said, very profound, producer it's Adrian not, Fonseca. It's not Jennifer beautiful. Brilliance emanates out of those comments. Reminds <laughs> me of the star above St. Dominic of Guzman <laughs> and a torch <laughs> burning on the mouth of the dog <laughs> sitting next to St. Dominic, the dog of the church. Wow. That is absolutely Ooh, stunning. I think he and, just called you a dog. And, you know, and that's okay. And that's okay, because I'm a dog for my lord. 
uh, you know, the, 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 great, the great poets, the, the hillbilly Thomist, talk much about this. He, said, he also said later on, things that are important, the human subs- substance of Adrian Fonseca is one of a dignified child of the Lord. Was that sacrilegious? Mm. I mm. mean, was he Very trying true. to put your human substance on par with our Lord? That's what um, it felt like. Well, I mean, our human substance are both the same kind of substance. That's true, but I don't know, Jesus. I think I hear a confession in your future, my friend. Maybe I should put on a button that the song. Have you heard the song, um, the Oh Lord, It's Hard to Be Humble? I should <laughs> put that one line on it. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I love that song. It's how's my it, theme song. How's it go? It's, should, it's my theme song. We, can we give you a beat so you can sing to? No, no. No? No, no that's, that's it. That's as far as I'm going. All right. Praise be to God. But the best line of the song is, I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. And, <laughs> and that's true. And I, I relate to that on a very personal level. Every morning I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, uh, I cannot believe that God has blessed me so, so generously. Christopher Velasquez. I think he's, okay, I don't think he's referring to your singing, Adrian, so don't take this personal. Ouch. He, he might be referring to the horns of, of judgment. He's definitely talking about my singing. <laughs> That's, he said that sounded like an old 80s horror flick. Definitely talking about my singing. <laughs> there, there's no way he's not talking about my singing. <laughs> That's all right, uh, Christopher. Uh, at least I appreciate my sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's funny. Someone has to. It's, someone has to. It's, it's funny. At any rate. Praise um, be to God. Before we, before we go on to, uh, I wanted to bring back up the whole drag queen thing, because uh, it really disturbs me, and I've, I've done a podcast on the whole drag queen issue, because I was surprised, I was shocked out of my mind, because I went to A&M this time last year to uh, protest the drag queen show there, and then we had one in Houston for, it was a drag queen Christmas, and parents were bringing their children to see these grown men in skirts and dresses, some were dressed as nuns, and they're uh, dancing and doing a talent show for children, and it said, for adult content, all ages welcome. It shocked me. It shocked me. And then I posted on Facebook about it and I invited people to come and protest with us, and people were attacking me. People were defending the idea of drag queens. And it's these, these, and Michael Knowles talked about this very well when we had him on. He talked about this strange idea that some conservatives have, as some Christians have, that, oh, we have to let people do whatever they want. We have to be tolerant. We have to have freedom of speech. So, because if we try to ban people from uh, doing drag queen story times, then they might want to ban us from going to mass. Uh, that, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And they're having it again at A&M. And not only that, but the, uh, a lot of the Catholic groups at A&M are actually telling their students, the Catholic students, to not go to the protest. Yeah, that's amazing. That blows my mind. That's like the enemy being at the gate, and you're like, oh, let me open it for you. Let me just let you on in. I mean, we talked about this yesterday. I mean, think about this in contrast. In Canada, uh, there was that pastor that got arrested. We, we reported on, on, on this story. They arrested him, they let him out, and then they, they put a fence around his parish, around, or not his parish, he wasn't Catholic, around his church so that his con- congregants can't come in. 200 Christians show up to tear the fence down, or I don't know how many Christians there were. It was 200 police officers. I'm not sure the crowd size for the Christians, but there were a bunch of them came and took down the fence, and they sent 200 police officers in riot gear to stop them. How many police officers in riot gear 
will show up at a drag queen story hour to prevent the corruption of children in society. Not a single one. If they did, they would be there to prevent the protesters, I'm sure. Um, pretty crazy. Christopher Lasquez uh, just wanted to confirm that it was not your singing that was that horrible. So don't oh, feel bad. Wonderful, <clears throat> wonderful. My, my, my family might disagree, but thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Chris. <laughs> Uh, someone, someone appreciates the the glory of my singing. <laughs> well, praise be to God. You know, it is. Uh, there's so many troubling stories in the headlines today. It just gets, it gets more and more crazy. And I, you know, especially I remember like the lockdown. The one thing about the lockdown that I appreciated, the silver lining to me was, well, abortion numbers went down. Praise be to God. Drag queen story hours were canceled. Praise be to God. And other atrocities. Praise be to God. And those were all good things. The difficulty was in, in not having access to the sacraments and seeing the, sort of the bizarre reaction of, of the faithful to the situation around us. And uh, wondering where the, the supernatural courage is. I had a great lunch with a priest the other day, and he and I were discussing this, and he, he was telling me about uh, the division among priests on the issue <clears throat> and how, you know, he just sees a, a lack of supernatural faith in response. You know, the first, you know, month or two months, the 15 days to slow the spread, fine. We don't know what we're dealing with. It's act prudentially. It makes sense. But then once you start to figure stuff out, once you start to see the writing on the wall, once you start to realize, okay, you know, there's things that are going on here, but we have a duty, we have an obligation to provide the sacraments to the faithful. We have to find a way to do that at all costs. Like, that's the mission. That's, that's, that's the mission of the disciples of Jesus Christ in his kingdom. And to see this sort of split, it, it was bizarre. And it still remains bizarre in many places. And now they're trying to open up, and, and in many places, they're not seeing the numbers. People aren't coming back. We've sent a clear message, as Father Kirby referred to in our interview, that they are, um, you know, the message was loud and clear. Why do you have to go to Mass on Sunday when you can stream it? Good luck streaming it. And if you streamed it, where did you get yourself ready for, you know? Because I remember in those early days streaming those Masses, and I'd get the kids dressed. We, had a, we, we built a chapel at the house, and we tried to still make it, uh, you know, as dignified as we possibly could, given the circumstances. But how many people staying in their PJs, streaming a mass? And what does that say about what we've given to God? You know, the old argument about, uh, like, the dress code thing, right? I mean, there's common de decency in dress code and uh, being a sort of uh, modest in your dress code for the sake of those around you. But then there's the sentiment of the, of the intent that you have to give to God your best. And maybe your best is not all that awesome. Maybe you don't have fine clothing, but it still might be your best. And God knows that, and you know that, and that's kind of what's important, right? Um, it's kind of the same thing when it comes to the other issues that are at play. We tend to think only in terms of me, myself, and I, and how I feel about it, versus virtue, right, versus wrong. And we've over-politicized everything. If you question the narrative, golly gee whiz. And that's why we got slapped by YouTube this past week. Because we dare to conversate, dialogue, have conversation about the topics that they do not agree with. Oh, uh, Luz, you're going off the rails here, Luz. 
Do you see what Lou said? I mean, Louis, we're going to need to get you some help. Lou says, I totally agree with you, Adrian. That is not good, Louis. To be totally agreeing with Adrian? I, I, you're going to have to go see your pastor and go to confession, I, I imagine. You know, I, I actually think that Lou's position here is the only reasonable position. The only one? Uh-huh. Exactly. That she agrees with you? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the only reasonable position. I'm In concerned. Fact, I'm it, very concerned. It's very, it's very possible that her position here is uh, the only position that will save you at the end. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, it's wow. possible. It's possible. He doesn't mean it, Lord. It's a joke. Please don't strike him dead, at least not until I move away first. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> Ouch. Lou, Lou says, I totally agree with you, Adrian. It is absurd how some people think it is okay to, do, to go to these places. This is literally demonic. I applaud you, Adrian, for your bravery. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well said, Lewis. And Lori well said. said that I can carry a tune. I'll take it. It's a, that's, a, that's, that's a, you know, it's not, it's not the greatest compliment on my singing, but, you know, I'll take it. Praise I'll take be it. to God. Happy Praise to say it. God. I shared a link to the uh, Drag Queen Show protest from last year. Um, and so it's linked there if you want to watch what, what happened last year. And I'm, we're assuming it's going to be similar this year as well. Um, it was really funny. I was going to the, to the, to the Drag Queen Show to protest. At A and M last year, and it was it was really awkward because I ran into the sisters, and I was dressed in a suit and tie because I was going out there to to protest, and I wanted to you know show the contrast between the degeneracy of the drag queens and the idea of a of I of professionalism. And so I went there, and uh, the sisters were walking around the campus, like, "Oh, Adrian, what do you what do you dress up for?" I was like, "Oh, I'm going to a drag queen show." And I and I real I didn't realize that I needed to put more context there. And they were like, "Uh, you're doing what?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no 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 no! I'm going to a drag queen show <laughs> to go protest outside of it. I'm Oops. not actually attending the the drag queen show." And it was, it was too late. It was too late. It was the cat was out of the bag. It was very awkward situation. <laughs> I'm being quoted by Christopher Chance. Quote, Lord. Please don't strike Adrian dead, at least until I move away first, unquote. Oh, Chris also called me out a second ago. He said, <laughs> "He said, um, let's see, this once happened in class, and I remember exactly what he's talking about. Quote, I'm the most humble person I know, Adrian Fonseca. <laughs> we were doing introductions in class one day, and they said, say one thing uh, about you that people don't know. And I was like, I'm the most humble person I know. Quote Adrian Fonseca, and there everybody was like, uh, Gloria. Okay. Gloria says, uh, last Easter we watched Mass at home, even setting up the crucifix and candles. It was the saddest Easter ever. Yes, yes, it was. I was so depressed Easter Sunday morning. I mean, I was mad. I was just mad. I could, it was so hard. I was mad because they locked the doors on the greatest feast day of, of our calendar. I, you know, if you felt like you couldn't let people in, well, then set up the altar outside and let them come. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. There's no excuse, in my opinion. And, um, you know, we built a chapel at our house. We felt like right at the end of 2019, <clears throat> both my wife and I both felt like this call, especially more my wife than me, though. But I also felt it, uh, especially after conversating with Father Calloway. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm consecrating my family to St. Joseph. We're, oh, we're doing this. And I felt like 2020 was going to be a bumpy ride. It was the last thing I said of my very last radio show at the end of 2019. It was the last show in December. And I signed off with 2020 is going to be bumpy ride. Bu- buckle up. And I just felt like that, that brooding thing was coming. 
And then, of course, uh, we built the chapel at our house, and then we went to lockdown mode. And I was so grateful for our chapel, because I spent a lot of time during the lockdown in that chapel. And I still do, praise be to God. We have an altar there, icons of all of our family saints, all of it. Uh, we have some uh, relics, whatnot. Last year, we were able to spend our Holy Week with a relic of the True Cross, thanks to our, our good friend. And it was so incredible. But when we tried to stream the Easter Mass, I was angry. I just said, this is not good enough for the faithful. It's not. It's not good enough that all you're going to do is stream a Mass with terrible camera angles and horrible audio, and I can't see or hear anything. I was just so angry. I was bitter. I had to go to confession. I had to go to confession several times for my bitterness. <clears throat> Offered up. What a wonderful opportunity for a reparation, you know, offering these, these, uh, these things up. But let's, let's encourage everyone to get back to Holy Mass, to go to Holy Mass, not just stream it. Time, that time has passed. We must go back to Mass. We must give God what is due to Him, which is our adoration and worship. God bless you. God, God love you all. Thanks for hanging out on the after show and all of our silliness and all of our inside jokes. You make it fun. You make it possible. God bless you. God love you. We'll be seeing you back here tomorrow morning. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for another couple of hours of Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Do us a favor. Make sure you're on our email list, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and tell a friend about our show. We would be very grateful to you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us.